0: Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. On today's episode, we're going to dive a little deeper into the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP loans. I've had Joseph Fauré, a partner with DLA Piper, to join me today in the discussion. Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with me today. Thanks, Sherry. So I'd like to start by maybe learning a little bit more about you and your background in this space.
1: Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm currently a partner at DLA Piper. I started my career at Skadden Arps in Houston, Texas. Uh, I've been at DLA for the last eight and a half years. I'm located uh, down in Austin, Texas. Here, I primarily practice corporate and securities laws, which I think of as mergers and acquisitions, helping companies raise money either through debt or equity, and also providing kind of general outside counsel advice. Most of the companies I work with are referred to as emerging growth companies. So, you know, start everything from startups to IPOs. Uh, I've worked with PayLocity for about eight years now, started with their Series B financing all the way through their IPO and, and everything since then.
0: Wonderful. I think you have the right background for this conversation today. Um, So as our listeners, many of you know that the loan program originally had run out of funds and additional funds have now been allocated. So it would be great, Joseph, if you could give a brief overview of what the Paycheck Protection Program is and what its current state is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So really briefly, the Paycheck Protection Program was originally a $350 billion portion of the initial stimulus bill, which is referred to as the CARES Act. Uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, we'll refer to it as the PPP throughout, was meant to incentivize small businesses to retain employees during the initial phase of the COVID-19 response. So essentially looking at companies that might otherwise produce headcount or layoffs and provide them with necessary working capital to pay salaries. Um, as you mentioned, the initial $350 billion ran out quite quickly, about two weeks after the applications started yeah. getting accepted. The program was out of money. Congress and President Trump approved an additional $310 billion last week, uh, bringing the total program size to about $660 billion. Um, Again, these are SBA loans that may be forgivable depending on how you spend the funds, and they're designed to help small businesses pay for payroll and related business costs.
0: So if you're just listening now, do people still have the ability to participate in the PPP loans?
1: Yeah, so it depends on when you're listening. So uh, as as I mentioned, there was overwhelming response for the first wave of funds, and that and that money went quite quickly. There were a number of businesses that did not get approved in the first round, and therefore kind of had their lenders waiting on standby when this new money was made available. So while the first 350 billion went in two weeks, I think it's anticipated that the next 310 billion is going to go quite a bit faster than that. So. If you're listening to this podcast, you know during the week of the 27th, there may be an opportunity to still get funds, but it's important to act quickly. Uh, we've generally found that the best thing that you can do is contact a bank that you have an existing relationship with and confirm if they're an SBA lender. If they are, that's probably your best bet. Um, we've also seen a lot of businesses have success with some of the kind of smaller regional or community banks. Uh, those banks have had a lot. fewer applications come in the door, so they've been able to focus more time on them and and get you to the front of the line. You may have heard uh, the SGA has actually started somewhat throttling the responses from the banks, so they're giving smaller regional and community banks an opportunity to participate kind of on an equal playing field. So contacting one of those banks might be your best bet to get into the program.
0: That's a really good tip. Um, What businesses are eligible for the PPP loans?
1: Sure, so again, this is designed to be small businesses. There is an existing SBA uh, loan program called the Seven A program that's existed for many years uh, which as uh, which provides funding to small businesses. So this is kind of an expansion of that program, but with a somewhat broader focus at a very high level, SBA generally thinks of a small business as a business that employs five hundred or fewer employees. Um, however, there are a few exceptions and uh, you should check with your legal counsel to see if you fall within one of those exceptions. As a part of this uh, uh, legislation, the uh, Congress expanded the uh, applicability for some franchises and restaurants and other uh, companies in the hospitality industry. So it's possible that that some companies with over 500 employees may may be eligible for PPP loans. And it, in addition, each company has a NICS code or N A I C S. And the SBA uh, assigns a specific employee headcount based on your NICS code. So that's something to worth, worth looking at. For example, a lot of life sciences or biotechnology companies have an employee headcount associated with their NICS code that's above 500. So 500 is not a, not a fast and hard target, but that's generally how the SBA thinks about it. So when you think about whether or not you have 500 employees, the way to do the calculation is to think about what your average monthly headcount was over the 12 months preceding the application. So if you're applying here in April of 2020, you look at your monthly headcount between April 2019 and March of 2020, and then you average that monthly headcount over the 12 months. As you might expect, this is measured on a full-time equivalent basis or FTE, so think of it as a 40-hour work week. So if you have employees who are, for example, on a part-time schedule working 20 hours a week, those count as half an employee. However, the 500 employees has a few uh, tweaks to it, which has caused kind of a lot of complexity in this program. If you have taken money from an outside investor, whether through private equity or venture capital, it's possible that you are affiliated with that investment entity. And if you are, you don't just look at merely your own employees of your business. But you look at the employees of that uh, investor who's provided you with the funds as well as all of their affiliates. So in a kind of traditional private equity or venture capital context, it's possible that while you may have 100 employees, that all the companies that that your investor has invested in may have hundreds or thousands of employees. So you might be deemed to be ineligible regardless of the fact that you have far under 500 employees. That's a very careful legal analysis that, that you should conduct with your attorney, but that, that essentially what the SBA looks at in determining affiliation is whether the investor has the right to control your operations. And when they think about it, they don't think merely about kind of a 50 percent control, like does the uh, investor own 50 percent or more of you. That, that will constitute control, but control is much broader than that. And oftentimes, when we do these venture capital financings, There's a variety of provisions in the company's investment documents and the governing documents that allow the uh, the investor to have a positive or negative veto right over some activities of the company. And again, those would need to be analyzed on a facts and circumstances basis, kind of going through each one of those provisions to determine whether control exists. And if control exists, then you need to do the analysis of how many employees uh, your investor has along with their affiliates.
0: Yeah, that's a re- really interesting piece of information that I hadn't heard anywhere yet. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that. When businesses are looking at um, applying for these, how is the size of their loan being determined?
1: Sure. So uh, you essentially, the loan is a function of what your historical payroll costs are. So what you do is you look at your payroll costs over the 12 months preceding the loan and you take the, your average monthly payroll costs and multiply it by two and a half times or 250%. So essentially, if your average payroll costs, if your payroll costs over the 12 month period were 1.2 million bucks, then your average monthly payroll costs would be 1.2 divided by 12 or 100,000, which means your loan would be 250,000. Um, the maximum loan amount is 10 million bucks. So even if you're, even if that formula Uh, renders a number above 10 million, you'd be capped at 10 million. When you think about what uh, your payroll costs are for the purposes of calculating the size of the loan, you think about the cash compensation that you pay your employees and also the costs of providing those employees with benefits with a few caveats. The first caveat is uh, any employee who makes over $100,000 in cash compensation is capped at $100,000 for that calculation. That means that if they you know, earned 150k, you don't count the full 150k. you only count the $100,000. Uh, you are, however, entitled to count the cost of providing benefits to that employee over the $100,000. So the $100,000, again, is just a cap on the cash compensation. A few other caveats are, as you might expect, you can only include U.S. employees in this calculation. So if you're a business that has overseas operations for the purposes of your PPP loan, you're only going to get a loan based on the payroll costs of your U.S. employee headcount. And again, it's this employees only, so if you have independent contractors, you do not get to count those in the cost of your loan. Additionally, and this is a a pretty fine nuance, but one that I think is important to mention, uh, the employer portion of payroll taxes is not included in calculating the loan size. So again, as a business, you have the obligation to pay Certain social security and Medicare costs on behalf of your employees; those costs do not get, cal- get counted when you calculate what the size of your loan is.
0: Okay, I am. Um, I'm gonna combine my next two questions. Um, and when you think about, okay, you've gone through the application process, now you are are you're given the loan and you have the funds in hand. Um, so, two full question is. Sure. What can you use those funds for? And then, in a holistic view of it, you know, the loan can be forgiven. So, what does that mean and how is that determined? How are those things going to play into each other when you're making a decision on how you spend that loan money?
1: Sure, absolutely. So, uh, first question is what can we do with the loan? So, the loan proceeds, of course, need to be carefully tracked. There is going to be a component on the back end, as you mentioned, about forgiveness where you have to justify to the SBA and to the bank that's servicing your loan, what you spent this money on. So the permitted costs, uh, that you can use loan proceeds are, are not surprisingly payroll costs, the costs of maintaining group plan benefits, certain rent mortgage and utilities obligations that were in place prior to February 15th, 2020. So a little bit more on that. Um, you can't use, you know, you cannot. If you entered into a new lease in March, that does not count. The, the SBA wanted to be very clear that these costs have to be existing costs that are already in place. Uh, the rent and utilities costs are pretty straightforward. If you are a business that that owns uh, the property that you're operating under, again, you can uh, use the loan proceeds to pay for your interest payments on your mortgage, but not any portion of principal or any prepayments. So. It's limited to, to those items. Uh, there's also a general cap on this. At least 75% of the loan proceeds have to be used for payroll. So even if you had you know, big rent expenses or big utilities, it would be a possible use of the proceeds. If you're not using 75% or more of the loan for uh, for payroll obligations, then you are not satisfying the uh, the obligations of the program. Uh, the forgiveness component is pretty well tied to to that so again at the end of the year the bank that services your loan is going to essentially do uh, a review of what you spent the money on and if you in fact had uh, enough expenses of the sort that we just discussed your loan may be forgiven so it's kind of a two-step process the first step in the process is to track the exact uses of the loan going through again what was spent on payroll, what was spent on rent, what was spent on utilities. The uh, the period of measurement for seeing what your expenses were are the eight-week periods starting on the date that you get the money. So if you think about it, the loan size is measured based on two and a half uh, months' worth of co- uh, payroll costs, but the measurement period is only essentially eight weeks or roughly two months. So it's definitely a possibility there that if you don't have rent and utilities to fill the rest of it, that unless you've kind of been giving employees pay raises that you might not be able to fulfill the full amount. So you look at those costs across the eight-week period. And if you have, again, at least 75% of the loan go to payroll, and then on top of that, you have other allowable expenses like the rent, the mortgage interest, or the utilities that satisfies the entire loan, then your loan may be forgivable for that full amount. So again, you've satisfied the first, first step. The second step is then to see whether or not you maintained employee headcount so what this uh, what this component is again a, a desire of the program was to keep people in their seats to keep people in place so it's not just merely enough that you spent the proceeds on on the right things. Uh, the SBA also wants to see that you essentially kept your employee headcount flat i e that you didn't reduce headcount via furloughs or layoffs so uh, what the next step is is to essentially ap- apply a percentage to uh, to the amount of your loan to see what percent will ultimately get forgiven. The numerator uh, of the of the percentage is essentially the number of employees that you have uh, at the end of the uh, loan period, and the denominator is the number of employees that you had during an eight week period. Uh, last year or this year, and you have kind of two different choices for how to measure this. And of course, this, this is getting rather complicated, but the denominator can either be uh, the number of full time employees that you had between February 15th of 2019 and June 30th of 2019, or instead you can use the first two months of the year. And under the current guidance, you can choose either, either of those two, whichever kind of results in the better, uh, better outcome for you. Um, again, if this wasn't complicated enough, it's not merely uh, looking at your employee headcount, there's also a component that looks at salary reductions. So if you had an employee making under $100,000 and you reduced their pay by more than 25%, essentially that employee is deemed to have been terminated. So that, that employee will not count in your numerator. Um, there are, however, no reduction for terminations, for lows or salary reductions that occurred in the you know, immediate aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic as long as you bring those people back to work by June 30th. So essentially what SBA is doing there is incentivizing people who were already laid off or furloughed to be brought back to work to help uh, to help work through this percentage and get more of the loan forgiven.
0: Yeah, the, the dates that you shared, I think also a new statistic that I hadn't heard yet. So I think that's important for people to keep in mind as they think about, you know, the percentage of loan that's going to be forgiven and, and what they want to apply for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, it's not an all or nothing thing. So even if, even if you don't have enough costs and either you kind of, neither, neither step is all or nothing. So if you take out a hundred thousand dollar loan, but you only have ninety thousand dollars in costs, that doesn't mean that the whole thing is not forgivable. It only means that the ninety thousand is forgivable. And then you go right. to the second step. So it's not, people shouldn't be concerned about the all or nothing component. It's rather that businesses should be tracking kind of how they expect to use the funds and be prepared that they may have to pay some back either if they don't have enough costs or if they were unfortunately required to reduce employee headcount.
0: Yeah. When the CARES Act came out, um, it had a lot of other provisions besides PPP loans. Um, And one of those things has to do with deferral of payroll taxes um, under that payroll tax deferral line in the CARES Act. If you have chosen to do that payroll tax deferral, can you participate in PPP?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, that's that's a great question. There was initially some confusion about whether you could participate in both programs. The IRS has come out with some pretty clear guidance. So the, the end result is that a company can uh, defer, its, defer the employer portion of payroll taxes and also participate in PPP. However, if the business gets all or a portion of its loan forgiven, so again, once that forgiveness determination is made towards the end of the year, at that point, The business can no longer defer any further payroll taxes. So everything up to the point of forgiveness is okay, but no further deferral from that point forward. So as it relates to the part that you've already deferred, um, that part does not become due or anything like that on an accelerated basis. It's the same time to pay that off. So again, under the the payroll tax deferral program, 50% is due at the end of uh, 2021 and the remaining 50% due at the end of 2022. So in, in both cases, kind of, there's no, no penalties or no interest associated with that. It's just the minute you get forgiven, you can't uh, defer any further payroll taxes.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, to wrap up our discussion, I've seen a lot of businesses draw some heat in the media for taking out PPP loans. As our listeners think through this, what should, what should they know about that? What should they be considering from a kind of a media social responsibility impact?
1: Yeah. So I think that's a great question. This is a point that's been evolving uh, since the PPP started kind of through today. In fact, there's some, some guidance this morning that, that further brought brought some more light on this issue. So as you mentioned, there's been a lot of high-profile backlash against some companies. Uh, you might have seen Shake Shack return their loans after raising $150 million in private financing. Bruce Chris was another one that drew a lot of scrutiny after uh, Taking out loans despite having 70 million in cash on the balance sheet at the end of the year. Uh, this morning, the Los Angeles Lakers drew a lot of heat from Secretary Mnuchin for taking out a loan despite obviously being a high-profile basketball franchise. I think the the thing to think about here is that the guidance is uh, is evolving over time. When this program first came out, there were a lot of people who thought that because A key component of the SBA's historical program, which is in order to qualify for a loan, you have to say, essentially, this is the only money you can get. You don't have another source of financing. The SBA took that component out of this PPP program. So that led a lot of people to think, hey, there's no longer a needs test on this. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter whether we get the money elsewhere. All this program is doing is trying to guarantee payroll. And it wants to essentially help businesses fund payroll during this eight-week period. We're learning more and more that that's really not the case, that there is at least an implicit needs test here. And so, you know, when a business is thinking about whether or not to take this out based on the most recent guidance, I think it's appropriate for that business to think about how much cash it currently has and what other sources of capital that uh, it has access to. For example, uh, the SBA came out with further guidance on Friday of last week, indicating that private equity And private equity companies were likely ineligible to qualify for this program and also uh, publicly traded companies as well. I think presumably under the idea that publicly traded companies have access to the the capital markets to get money and private equity backed companies have access to their private equity sponsors to get that money. Uh, Additionally, in that guidance, the SBA said, hey, if you've got a credit facility or like a revolver and you have uh, capital that you can access under that revolver, you need to take that into account when considering whether or not to take this money. So in short, it's, it's, not, it's not what some people thought this was, which is, hey, we, you know, we the government, want to come in and make sure that headcount doesn't get reduced and we want to fund salaries to make sure that happens across small businesses. Instead, I think this is becoming more of, hey, there is a needs-based component. This is for companies that need the money because they don't have other access to capital and that you need to carefully assess the cash that you have access to, both on your balance sheet and otherwise. And then it mentioned this morning, this being Tuesday, there was further guidance. Uh, The secretary was on some of the morning talk shows and indicated that anyone who takes out a large loan, which he defined as more than $2 million, is going to be subject to a very detailed audit process at the end of this to confirm that uh, that the loan was really needed. Again, uh, a piece we didn't talk about at the beginning, but one of the key certifications that a business has to make when they apply for the loan is that current economic uncertainty makes this loan request necessary to support the ongoing operations of the business. I think what we're hearing more and more is that that statement is gonna draw a lot of scrutiny. In terms of best practices, we've been generally recommending that uh, the CFO or or the equivalent of the business do a very detailed kind of profit and loss statement indicating what the impacts of COVID on the business are, and also the, the details, the cash needs for the business, justifying the need for this loan. And that that, uh, that that detailed analysis be saved. And if you've got a board of directors or similar managing body, that that's something that should be made available to the board and should be discussed in connection with taking out the loan.
0: Yeah, you've provided so many practical tips um, throughout our discussion. I really feel that um, our listeners will get a lot out of this. The episode's actually going to drop tomorrow. So in time for people to still partake of the loan potentially. Um, if someone reads to reach out to you directly, Joseph, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. So a uh, brief legal disclaimer that was probably obvious to all of you. I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. Uh, the PPP is a complex federal lending program. We've been discussing a lot of the complexities here at a pretty high level, but if you are considering applying, you should definitely discuss your eligibility and your application with your own legal counsel. Uh, if you wanted to get in contact with me, you could find my information on the DLA Piper website. Again, my name is Joseph Foray. last name spelled F-O-R-E.
0: Wonderful, Joseph. Thank you again for spending time with me today.
1: Thanks so much.